This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Romans chapter 16, verse 22, it's very short. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we read your word, as we study your word, speak to our hearts about this one man mentioned here. And so, Lord, uh, may we be found just like him, faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been tempted to doubt the impact you can make for the kingdom of God? You say, well, Will, I'm, you know, God can't use me. I'm just, I'm just a simple fill in the blank. I'm just a simple person for Milner. <laughs> I'm just a simple farmer. I'm just a, I just got a small business. Will, I'm just the deacon at the church. I'm a retiree. And we doubt the, if God can even use us. We all feel like, well, you, only God uses people like Benny Tate or Billy Graham or things like that. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard the man named Edward Kimball? Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a Dr. Clayton Jones? Now, some of you are going to shake your head. You know Clayton Jones. He's known for one thing in particular for this church, and that's what? Leading your pastor, Benny Tate, to Jesus Christ, introducing Benny. I don't think things have ever been the same around here, have they? And um, because of what Dr. Clayton Jones did by leading your pastor to Christ. Edward Kimball would be like the same thing, like a Dr. Clayton Jones. The average American will never know Edward Kimball. But Edward Kimball would, as a Sunday school teacher, would lead, I don't know how many, but we know of one particular person he would lead to Christ. And most of the time he's saying, well, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I mean, what can I do? You know, I'm just, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I'm a simple person. No fancy name. No, you know, I haven't written any books. I haven't done anything. Just... I'm just a husband. I'm just a father. I'm just a, a mom. I'm just a, a wife. And we say all these things, but God wants to use everybody. And matter of fact, God uses the nobodies in life. I'm not here to say that you're a nobody. You're somebody in Jesus. But we feel like we're a nobody. Casting Crowns has a song called Nobody. Matter of fact, it's in the top 30 songs of 2021 for Christian songs. And, and this is one of the lyrics. It goes, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. And, uh, you know, they, these are famous lyrics now, but uh, there's someone that predates them. And that's my Uncle Melvin. Uncle Melvin was Billy Graham's brother. And uh, he had this saying, he said, I just want to be a nobody that tells everybody that there's somebody that can save anybody. Right. 
And he was a farmer. He was a farmer. Billy Graham's his brother. Who in the world is Melvin Graham? <laughs> Matter of fact, I've, for the most part, I can guarantee there's not going to be a history book that will ever have the word Melvin Graham written about him. At least not that Melvin Graham. And to be truthful, that's probably going to be most of us in here. You'll probably read uh, these great chronicles of world history. Most of us will probably never grace those pages, including me. I won't make those. You know, we, we think we have to be somebody for God to use us. But just like those lyrics in that song, just like my, grand, or my great uncle, Uncle Melvin, God uses the nobodies to get things done. And that's what's interesting. You say, well, well, Billy Graham, somebody. Well, he was a nobody <laughs> until he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And when he surrendered his life to Christ, God gave him a purpose. And uh, each and every one of us has one purpose, and that's to follow him, to do what the King of kings and the Lord of lords says. And uh, so I've always wanted to be like my uncle. I just want to be a nobody that tells everybody that there's somebody that can save anybody. And so when we look at Scripture, as we just read a few minutes ago, in Romans chapter 16, verse 22, we read that short little verse, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Of all the annals of history, this is the only time Tertius will ever show up. Matter of fact, in all of Scripture, that's his one mark. That's it. That's ever mentioned about him. And so what, now, let me ask you another question. Do you believe that all of Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable? So that verse is in there for a reason. And you're saying, well, Will, this is a, it can't be that much. It's only a few words. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. What can we learn about that? Let's see what the Scripture says. There's quite a bit. And we got Easter coming. Easter's just a few weeks away. And you guys are going to have a big outreach here. And I'm excited for you. And this message is getting you ready for that day. And what I'm going to be asking you is to, I want you to be thinking of someone right now that doesn't know Jesus Christ that you're going to bring them with you. You're not going to invite them. I can invite all your neighbors. You're going to bring your neighbors. You're going to bring your mom and dad that don't know Jesus. You're going to bring your children that don't know Jesus. You're going to bring your grandchildren that don't know Jesus. You're going to bring your co-worker that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You're going to, you're going to bring your boss. Huh? You're kidding me, Will. I got to bring my boss. You bring your boss that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Think how much better your life's going to be when he comes to know Jesus Christ, or her, for that matter. You think, of your, you think of that person that you just, that your neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. You're going to bring them. You're not going to merely invite them. You're going to bring them because eternity is at stake for them. And this could be your one moment in history to make a difference. So you start preparing your heart to bring that person with you. If you're married, that means you've got to bring two people. That's right. There's two of you. You bring two. 
I, Tertius. So who is Tertius? As I said, he's only mentioned once in Scripture. In one sentence, is the only one that records him in all the annals of history. This is it. And we believe that all scriptures God breathes. So what does the Bible tell us about this one man? His name means third. Third. He's number three. Eh, for us Southerners, we'd say that means Del Earnhardt. <laughs> <laughs> He's number three. Matter of fact, today, uh, if you're number three in your family line, you, we usually get the nickname what? Trey, right? It goes by Trey usually. Matter of fact, uh, I'm William Franklin Graham, the... Fourth. Huh? I can, I can see the wheels turning in your head right now. You're... My father is William Franklin Graham, the third. Billy Graham is William Franklin Graham, Jr. That's where you get you mess, that's where you mess up. You think he's the first. He's the he's Mr. He's number two. And then my great grandfather, William Frank Lynn Graham, he went by Frank. Uh, he was a dairy farmer in Charlotte. He was a senior. My son's William Franklin Graham, the fifth. But we run out nicknames. <laughs> we had Frank. My grandfather went by Billy Frank or Billy, as the world would call him. You know, Southerners get double first names. He got a double first name, Billy Frank. His siblings called him Billy Frank. But the world knows him as Billy. My father goes by Franklin. I go by Will. So what do we call the fifth? We run out of nicknames. Quinn. Quinn means five, like quintuplets, right? So Quinn. Is there going to be a six? That's Quinn's problem. I did my part, my part. Now, Paul had a number of friends that were numbers. Matter of fact, and we see a man from mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, it, his name was Secundus of the city of Thessalonica. Matter of fact, look at the next verse in the text. If you have your Bibles, it says, Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you, and Courteus. A brother, Courteous. Courteous is what number? Four, like quarters, right? Four quarters and a dollar. Courteous. And so he had a number of friends that were num uh, friends that were numbers. But guess what? There was no companion of Paul named Primus. There was no friend called number one. Why? All these men found their identity in Christ, who was primus. He was number one. And they realized that they, as people, they were hidden in the grace of God through primus, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the first and priority and the main priority in their life. So <clears throat> we see his name was number three. But he was also Paul's amanuensis. Huh? A what? Amanuensis. Fancy word for transcriber. <laughs> he was like a secretary. And he would write down what Paul told him to write down. And when Paul needed to write a letter or anything like that, he would help write it. 
And uh, he would literally write it down. Now, most of us believe, uh, at least I do, that Paul was losing his eyesight. Remember, Paul said he had a thorn in the side, his thorn in the flesh. We're never told exactly what that is. I always believe it was his loss of eyesight. He couldn't see. Matter of fact, Paul would say, look at what large letters I write. <laughs> you know, big letters. Because he was losing his eyesight. Matter of fact, uh, we see that Paul was on the, uh, he was shipwrecked. They went to go build a fire. He's picking up some sticks. <clears throat> and instead, he picked up a what? <clears throat> he picked up a snake. Now, you and I, we can see a difference between a snake and a stick. Same color, but we don't go around picking up things that move. At least not in this church. <clears throat> Most of us around here, we shoot the things that move. But Paul picked up the stick because he couldn't, well, he picked up the snake thinking it was a stick because he couldn't tell the difference because his eyesight was going bad. At least that's Will Graham's theory, all right? That's, that's what I believe. But Paul had someone to help write letters, and his name was Tertius. And he would pass down the Summa Theologica of the New Testament. Now, every book of the Bible has wonderful theology in it, things that we can learn about God. But there's one book that just seems to be a focal point of critical theology for us and our salvation. That's the book of Romans. And this guy would literally write it down on the behalf of Paul, who was getting it from the Holy Spirit. And this man was just a simply like someone who could write really fast and do it accurately and that's what he was doing and he would faithfully write down and pass down the greatest letter on theology in the bible and what an important work what an important book for us as christians i mean think about the topics of god's judgment As a matter of fact it says that everyone is under god's judgment all right the the immoral person is under God. The, the heathen, the pagan, well, that makes sense. They're under God's judgment. The moral person, the good person that does nothing wrong, he's under God's judgment. Even God's own people, the Jewish people, are under God's judgment, which was a shock to them because they thought they were God's people. But even Jesus was saying, you're under my judgment because you've broken my laws. Everyone no, not one, the Bible says, is righteous. Right. Not one. Billy Graham, not one. Amen. He didn't make the list. He was under God's judgment. But yet we're justified by faith alone. Amen. We don't have anything to do. We simply believe we receive God's forgiveness by faith. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to buy it. I mean, this was such an important, I mean, think about it. This was one of the most important things in the whole world because by the 1500s, there was what we call the Great Reformation where the Protestant church, you and me here today, this is where we come out of, was based on this one verse in this, in this book that Tertius wrote. That faith comes by, I mean, righteousness comes by faith and faith alone. 
How about sanctification where God is working on us each and every day to become more like him? Tertius wrote that down. Or about the work of the Holy Spirit? Tertius wrote it down. How about how Israel fits into God's plan? Or, or more importantly, how does a Gentile like Tertius, who was probably a Roman pagan at one time, now comes to know Jesus Christ and he's writing this down and he's writing it down. He hears Paul write, he's writing it down. And he realizes that even as a Gentile, God still has a plan and purpose for his life. He's grafted in. God has a plan. I'm a Gentile. I guarantee you most of you in here are Gentiles. You're like me. And we've been grafted in. We have a purpose given by God. How do we know this? Because Tertius wrote it down in the book of Romans. Paul was losing his eyesight and Tertius became his eyes now. My grandfather, when he got old, uh, both my grandmother and my grandfather, Billy and Ruth Graham, they suffered from macular degeneracy. In other words, they couldn't see the things right in front of them. If I'm looking at you at the crowd right here, I can see my notes, but I can't see you. <laughs> and sometimes uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's looking at his Bible, if he's looking at his notes, he can't see them. He can't see what he's looking at. He can only see his peripheral vision. You can't read like that. And so we would have to, if we were going to, you know, remember those little memory scripture verses that come like on little, look like business cards. They came in little memory packets like done by the navigators and stuff like that. Some of us grew up on that stuff, you know, and we had these little memory cards and we would memorize these verses. He couldn't read stuff like that. So his little packet was big poster board, this big, you know, and we wrote big letters on there so he could read it. And my granddaddy, when he was writing his final books, had to use a transcriber to do it. He always had to have a transcriber, but it became imperative at his old age because he couldn't see. He couldn't even write down things. His handwriting was pretty poor by then. But look at Tertius's opportunity. He saw this as a God-given opportunity, a sacred moment in time for him to step up to the plate. John Knowles once said, everyone has a moment in history which belongs to him. Every one of us has a moment in history that God wants you to leave your mark for eternity. You may not never be written down in front page news or anything like that, but forever you're going to leave your mark on this world. Amen. Tertius knew this was his one moment to have an impact on this world, and he took it. He had the God-given opportunity to work with one of God's greatest servants, Paul. And Paul was a Pharisee. He helped murder Stephen, but yet he was radically saved. And Tertius got to see this. And he, he was staying with Paul. He was living with Paul. And he saw Paul behind the scenes. And he knew what kind of character this man was. He, and he would never betray Paul's trust. He only wrote down what Paul told him to do. He was humble. At the very beginning of the letter, it says, I, Paul, I'm sending this letter to you. He could have said, no, 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 no. I, Tertius, <laughs> write this. He didn't say that. He, he, it was Paul's letter. It was Paul's letter, and he was humble. Even though the Paul, Paul was the one that was sending the letter, he, that's what he said. He didn't say, but I'm the one that wrote it. No, but at the very end, Paul gives him a chance to send his greeting 
We'll come to that in a minute. But Paul, like Paul, he had been very proud of his work. Like Paul said, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Galatians. Later on in, in Romans chapter 15, Tertius' own handwriting, he would write this down in Christ Jesus then. I have no reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. He was humble. He was giving God the glory. He couldn't boast of anything except through the cross. And then Tertius would provide an incredible service for the church. He wrote down what Paul was saying, and he just didn't write. Listen to me. And this is where we mess up so many times. We just say, well, Will, I'm just a husband. I'm just a wife. I'm just a school teacher. No, no, you're not. You're a husband. You're a wife. You're a teacher. You're just not anything. That's what Satan wants you to believe. You're just nothing. And my friends, God has a great plan and purpose for you. Even as a believer, God has a plan and purpose for you. You just don't do anything. Everything we do should be for Christ. And we have a very poor understanding when we say, he just wrote it down. He wrote it down. And then you and I are living by it today. So he just didn't do anything. He wrote it down. It's the wrong idea of just, and it's not dealing anything with justification. <laughs> he didn't come up with the content. He didn't add anything. He didn't subtract anything. He, he wrote it down faithfully. The Holy Spirit guarded him as he, as he wrote it down, just as the Holy Spirit led Paul to dictate to him. He faithfully served Paul. He was called to serve Paul, and he did. He had no agenda except to faithfully do what Paul asked for. He accepted his supporting role with grace and maturity. He didn't go around and say, no, Paul, I think it's my turn to write this letter. Let me speak. No, he faithfully, he just, he knew his position. He said, this is my call in life is to help this person to write this letter. And he supported, I mean, he, he did it faithfully. The Holy Spirit guarded him. He had no agenda except to faithfully serve Paul. And all of history remembers his one act, his one moment in history, the book of Romans. What an important work for you and I today. You and I study. We know what it means to be in Christ because of what Tertius taught, taught us. Let me ask you this. What small act are you going to be remembered for in life? Hmm? What one small act are you going to be noticed for? I want to encourage you. You start thinking of that one person that needs to know Jesus Christ, and you're going to bring that person, so they can come to know Christ on Easter. Amen. That's going to be your mark in history. Because, listen, you know, there's only one thing you can take to heaven. You know, you always heard about the joke, you know, there's no U-Haul flowing to Hearst. All right? Think about it. I mean, you, you'll never see that. There's only one thing you can take to heaven. Other people. Other people. So who's going to be in heaven because of you? Because that's what's eternal. Everything else is going to be burned up, my friends. 
your homes, your businesses, they're all going to be burnt up. The only thing that's going to last is when we get to heaven. Who's going to be in heaven because you brought them to Jesus? I just met a young, young man out here. His name was Andrew. And every time we see Andrew in the Bible, guess what Andrew is doing? Bringing people to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I want to introduce you to somebody. <laughs> That's what he was doing. That's what we're called to do. Amen. To be the Andrews in this world. To be the Tertius, the faithful servant. It's just a small act. You can say, well, he just wrote it. He didn't write just anything. He gave us something important. My friends, let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed these things about Tertius? He was available. When Paul was ready to write, he was ready to write. He had his utensils. He had his reeds sharpened. He had, there was no staples back then. Couldn't go down there and say, hey, give me a ream of paper. No, he had to go get parchment or papyrus, get it processed, get it ready. Ink, there's no ink. You had to make your own ink. And there he was crushing those little grape seeds and crushing and getting some charcoal and mix it in there, put a little water with honey in it, and mix it, make it. This is a long process just to get some ink. And Paul's letters, they weren't short. <laughs> it wasn't like a one-act play. I mean, look at Romans. You guys don't even want to read it in one sitting. I mean, I'm the same way. I, it would have taken me a couple days, of, you know, and there he was. He was writing this down faithfully, having everything ready to go. He didn't look at Paul and say, you know, Paul, let me check. Let's see. Oh, washing the camel that day. Can't do it that day. Oh, got to pick up the kids from school. Can't do that day. No, he was ready. When the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul, he was ready to, for, to receive it from Paul. He was always ready on a moment's notice. He was dedicated to his task. He was a learned man. In other words, he could read and write, which is very unusual at that time. He had a supreme knowledge of the Greek language. Probably Latin as well. So, and he had to keep up with Paul's dictation. You know how hard that is? I, you ever try to take notes in class when you're, some of you, a lot, long time ago? <laughs> you know, most kids just type notes now. But back then we had a handwriting. Remember, can you say that again, Professor? Can Slower? You know, that's, that was me. Can you say it five times real slow? He had to keep up with it. He was dedicated to his task. He was a responsible man. By, by signing his name at the end of the book, he took full responsible for the accuracy of what was written in there. And if there was a mistake, it was his fault. He was a responsible man. Tertius experienced the blessings of God. He was responsible for writing down and preserving God's word. That one little act, that one little verse, that's all he's known for. And he faithfully did it. The world may call him a nobody, but he's somebody for you and me because we've, we read Romans today. The Romans wrote a salvation. Amen. He helped pin it down. It wasn't his book. It was God's book given to Paul and as and as Paul was hearing it from the Holy Spirit, he would speak it out to, and he would write it down faithfully. At the beginning of the message, I asked you about Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher up in Massachusetts. And he went into a 
a shoe store. And there was a young man stocking shoes in the back closet, just stacking them up. He started telling that kid about Jesus Christ. The guy was somewhat listening. Matter of fact, he left there. He didn't know if, he, if that kid even accepted Christ or not. But later on, that boy showed up at his Sunday school class as a changed man. That young shoe clerk was a man named Dwight L. Moody. Become one of the greatest preachers in American history. Missionaries would go around the world because of D.L. Moody. One day, D.L. Moody decided to go to the British Isles, which is a big deal because you're talking about the 1800s, around the Civil War time. And he would go over to the British Isles to preach. And while he was preaching there, there was a young man that gave his life to Christ. His name was F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer would end up leaving another guy named Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman would come back to help D.L. Moody. And when D.L. Moody passed, Wilbur Chapman became a great evangelist. And he needed some help. So he hired a young ex-baseball player named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday would lead some great revivals in the southern part of the United States, all over the country, really. And he had a great revival in Charlotte. And Charlotte wanted him to come back, but he couldn't come back because he was just too old. So he invited another man named Mordecai Ham. And there Mordecai Ham would come and preach. And a young man, 16 years old, would go, go forward to give his life to Christ. His name was Billy Graham. One faithful Sunday school teacher. Think of the impact that he would have that's still being felt today. My friends, that's, that can be you. <laughs> you may never see the fruit of your labor, but you're going to forever leave that mark when you serve Jesus Christ. And this Easter, you're going to be that Edward Kimball. You're going to bring somebody with you. And they're going to give their life to Christ. It may be the next Billy Graham that you would lead to Christ, help lead to Christ. And it could forever change this country. My friends, we need another great awakening. You're the key. Who are you going to bring with you this Easter? Who are you going to bring this Easter? Tertius would be known for one thing in life. What's going to be your one act that you're going to be known for? My friends, let us be authentic in being the third. Let's accept our role, what God's called us to do. Let us be available to do whatever is needed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be loyal to the one who called us and to do whatever he asked us to do, to be loyal to the Lord. And let us be faithful in the little things. That's what God's calling us to be. He's not calling us to be famous. He's calling us to be faithful. And if we do all these things, then at the end, we will get an honorable mention, just like Tertius. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because God bestows blessings on, on those who follow him. So my friends, in the meantime, I want you to bring somebody with you at Easter. 
And in the meantime, let's keep writing. That one thing, whatever that one thing is. For Tertius, it was writing. You be faithful in that one thing that God's called you to do. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.